all of us. Everyone at the state's academic medical center. All working together to deliver complete care now and for generations to come. All over the state, including hospital and clinic locations from the Delta to the Gulf Coast. All for one reason, you. The University of Mississippi Medical Center. All for your health. This podcast is a local production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting and depends on the support of listeners like you. If you can, please donate today at mpbonline.org. And thanks. and Remedy, Healthy and Fit, on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Josie Bidwell, Associate Professor of Preventive Medicine and Nurse Practitioner at UMNC. And it's an exciting week here at MPB. It is our fall on-air fundraising drive. And because of that, we can't take your calls live today. But if you have questions for us, you can always email those to fit at mpbonline.org. Or you can go over to Healthy Habits with Josie on Facebook, and you can leave me a message there or a question there. Um, Now, what we're going to be talking about today is really my my top tips for healthy eating and for achieving and maintaining a healthy weight. So these are the kind of tried and, and tested tips that I give individual patients when I begin working with them um, or when I do just kind of general um, public health messaging related to these things. So these are things that have worked not only for me and my personal um, health journey and weight loss and weight maintenance journey, but that have worked uh, for countless other people based on uh, not just what I do, but what the evidence actually says. And so my number one tip The number one thing, if we're trying to maybe change our nutrition or adopt a healthier way of eating or begin to work on um, losing weight or achieving achieving and maintaining a healthy weight, is to find your reason for why, why you want to do those things. I start every single visit um, with that, with my patients um, and with myself. I said, you know, why, why do you want to lose weight, Josie? And for me, it was because I just didn't feel like myself anymore. It had nothing to do with the number on the scale. I just didn't feel like me, and I didn't feel like I was living to my full potential for my family. So if you've listened to me before, um, you know that I have my purpose or my why written on multiple little sticky notes around my house and my office, on my whiteboard at work as well. That's uh, love God, love family, love others. And all the things that I do, I try and point them back to one of those one of those three things or all of those three things at the same time. And so those really were the foundation of, of why I chose to be um, to start to work on my, my health a little bit more and focus in on my health. But my why doesn't have to be your why and it won't look the same. Um, but I encourage you, if you're wanting to, to maybe lose weight or start to eat uh, a healthier uh, dietary pattern, 
that you really stop and think what's driving that desire to do that, right? And really try and focus in on something other than just the number on the scale. It absolutely can be that you have uh, a, a goal weight in mind, but I would encourage you to attach something else to that. Um, because when motivation starts to decline, because um, it always does for, for everyone, uh, because, you know, it's sometimes easier to choose less healthy items or to not go for your walk or your jog or whatever it is you're doing for exercise. So attaching it to a bigger meaning um, often helps with those little slumps in, in motivation or when you just don't want to, to do these things. Uh, that it may be that you want more energy to play with your children or your grandchildren. Um, it may be that you want to come off of some of your medications or to, to not have to go on maybe blood pressure medicine or blood sugar medicine or cholesterol medicine or any of those kinds of things. I work with a ton of individuals that have osteoarthritis. And a lot, a lot of knee pain, back pain, hip pain, um, those types of things. And so oftentimes the why, when they first come in to see me, I'll say, you know, how can I help you today? And I say, well, I need to lose some weight. And I usually counter that with, tell me how your life would be different if you lost that weight. Uh, and that really reframes the way you think about it. So instead of thinking about, I need to lose you know, 10 pounds, 15 pounds, 20 pounds, whatever it is, think about how your life would be different if you were to lose that weight. And that's oftentimes where we'll find that, um, that extra piece of motivation or that why. And for a lot of my patients, that is, well, my knees wouldn't hurt so bad. And then I would just feel like being able to move around more. You know, I really enjoyed, maybe it was um, you know, going uh, on vacation with my family before, but now my knees hurt too bad and I feel like I'm slowing folks down and those kinds of things. So really attaching it back uh, to a, a, a non-scale related why is one of the biggest, uh, biggest things that you can do to set yourself up for success. Uh, and I encourage you to write it down. Uh, so if it is that you want your knees to feel better, then you write that down, right? I want to improve my nutrition and my activity levels so that my knees feel better and I have the ability to go on vacation with my family. Whatever yours is, write it down and put it somewhere, um, put it multiple places so that you can see that and remember why it is you're making the Oftentimes, well, not even oftentimes, but sometimes the less easier choice um, in terms of, of lifestyle. My second tip is to then set a realistic goal. And I can't stress that enough that we want to be kind to ourselves and set ourselves up for success. And when we set really um, unrealistic goals, we're setting ourselves up for failure, really. Um, and it doesn't mean that the goal you originally set is your ending goal, right? Maybe you really do need to lose X amount of pounds to be able to get your knee replacement or to, you know, come off of your uh, diabetes medicine or whatever it is. So we can keep that 
that goal in the back of our mind as a long-term goal, but we sure need to set some smaller, more achievable goals in the meantime, because that just increases our confidence in being able to do it. Let's say you need to lose 70 pounds, right? That's a big number. And when we think about needing to lose that amount of weight, it can be very, very discouraging uh, when we think about it, because it seems like something we would not be able to do, especially if we've tried other diets in the past, fad diets and, and bouncing back and forth between different diets um, and have not achieved the level of success that we have desired in the past, that really does a does a number on your confidence and makes you feel like you're not able to do uh, do it, you know. So I usually recommend setting a much, much smaller goal initially of about 5% of your total body weight, right? So if we think about what that means in terms of actual weight loss, uh, let's say you're 200 pounds, right? If we wanted to lose 5% of that, that's just 10 pounds of body weight that we need to lose. And so setting ourselves up with a much smaller goal like that, it's almost like people will say, how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? It's like that. How do we lose a larger amount of weight? Well, with smaller amounts over time. And so setting that much smaller goal then gives us something that we feel like we're much more uh, likely to be able to achieve. Once we get to that goal, reset, refocus, choose another uh, another goal. Maybe it's another um, you know, another 10 pounds after that until we just kind of chip away at that ultimate goal weight. So when we, we decide on what that initial goal is, then we need to do it safely and effectively based off of what research says, right? Based off what the science says in terms of sustainable weight loss. Because oftentimes when people come to see me, they have maybe even lost some larger amounts of weight in the past, but they've gained it back. Uh, and sometimes a little bit more on top of what they originally lost that they've, they've gained back. And oftentimes that's because it was done in a non-sustainable way um, through kind of extreme calorie restriction or cutting out um, food groups or really uh, intense, um, unsustainable exercise patterns or combination of all of those kinds of things. And so we want to make sure that we're doing it in a way that sets ourselves up for being able to maintain that in the long term um, and losing the weight at a, a sustainable rate. So oftentimes, you know, I was in the grocery store the other day, there were some magazines in the rack and one of them said, lose 20 pounds in 20 days. And I just wanted to buy all the copies of that and, and take them away so that people wouldn't think that that is what we're trying to accomplish um, with, uh, with a healthy lifestyle. I don't doubt that probably whatever was contained in that would, would probably get you to that 20 pounds in 20 days, but it wouldn't be sustainable. Uh, in the next 20 days, you'd likely gain that back um, and a little bit more. So I usually recommend about a pound a week. Um, you'll see some resources that recommend a pound to two pounds a week for healthy, sustainable weight loss. And that is that is what the evidence says and what the literature says. I often find it that the two pounds 
per week. Um, I have to cut calories so much on that that people kind of kind of give up a little bit on that. So I usually strive for a pound a week, um, although sometimes it's just about not gaining over these first couple of, of weeks. Um, when we look at people's weight history, a lot of times um, weight creeps up over the year. You know, about from January to December, at the end of the year, it will have gained, you know, five or six pounds by the end of that year. And so just not gaining could be a really good initial goal for folks. And then we work on maybe a half a pound a week. But we do generally usually shoot for that pound a week. So even if we're thinking about something as achievable as 10 pounds of weight loss, right? If we're talking a pound a week, that's 10 weeks, right? Two and a half months. So it's not super fast. And that can be um, frustrating for folks, especially when we mirror that against the diet culture that we have in this country that tells us we need to lose lots of weight in a really, really fast manner. So I'll have folks come back to see me for a follow-up visit and they'll say, well, I've only lost like three pounds. Well, it's only been two weeks. So that's, that's excellent. That's right where we're supposed to be. Um, so it's about really readjusting our expectations into what um, amount of weight we should be losing and then also adjusting our expectations for how quickly that weight should come down. Because my, my goal for every individual that comes to see me um, is, is to help them achieve their ultimate goal and to not just achieve it, but maintain it. I'm Dr. Josie Bidwell, Associate Professor of Preventive Medicine and Nurse Practitioner at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Thanks for listening to the Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit Podcast. If you have a question, you can email fit at mpbonline.org or leave a comment on my Facebook page, Healthy Habits with Josie. For ongoing information on staying healthy and fit, subscribe to the podcast using your favorite podcasting app. Hi, I'm Dr. Jimmy Stewart, professor of internal medicine and pediatrics at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. On the original Southern Remedy, we answer questions about all aspects of your health and share some of the latest medical information in the news. You can listen to the show on Wednesdays at 11 on MPB Think Radio, or you can subscribe to the podcast by searching for Southern Remedy on your preferred podcasting app. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Thanks for joining me. You are listening to Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Josie Bidwell, nurse practitioner at UMMC. You just heard from a few of my colleagues for our fall on-air fundraising campaign. So we're not taking your phone calls live today, but if you have a question or a comment for us, you can always email us, fit at mpbonline.org, or you can go over to Facebook to Healthy Habits with Josie. Drop me some messages there, and I'm happy to answer those. In lieu of taking calls today, we are going through my top healthy living, healthy eating, weight loss tips. And we've already been through my top two, which were finding your your reason for wanting to make a healthy lifestyle change, and then setting realistic, achievable, 
sustainable goals. Number three on my list is once we've got our, our reason and our goal, we've got to build an action plan to achieve that goal because things do not happen by accident. Um, weight loss or improved uh, blood pressure and blood sugar, they don't happen just because we want them to or even because we set a goal to work on them. It's the steps that we put in place to get there. And how I usually explain it to uh, people that I'm working with is think about a goal that you have achieved in your life, not any um, kind of weight-related goal or health, even health-related goal. Think about something else you've achieved in life. Maybe it was that you um, graduated college or you bought a house or you bought a car or any of these other things. Those didn't happen just randomly. There were steps that you had to put in place to ensure that you were able to do that, right? Um, For me, I didn't just wake up one day and go, you know what? I think I'll go be a nurse, right? I had to put a plan in place, right? I had to uh, get the prerequisites that I needed in college out of the way. I had to apply to nursing school, get in, show up, uh, put in the work, learn, um, pass the tests ask the clinicals, sit for board exams, all of these different kinds of things. So there were steps there, just like with buying a car, right? We had to save for a down payment or look for a loan we could afford. Um, then once we get the car, we got to take care of it, got to make those payments, um, all of those different kinds of things. So there's always steps to achieving whatever goal we have in life. So that, that transfers directly over to healthy eating, healthy living, healthy weight, whatever it is that we're looking for there. Um, we have to make sure that plan is doable and realistic as well, right? So I've kind of got a list of, of do's and don'ts when it comes to setting a, a good action plan or setting the steps in place to um, achieve whatever health goal it is that we have. We're focusing on kind of healthy eating today um, and weight loss. So my number one don't is don't drastically cut calories or skip meals. I have this conversation at least once a day with um, individuals that I'm working with in clinic um, because it it sounds in our brain like like what we should do, right? Because we kind of have been inundated with messaging that is to lose weight we have to to take in fewer calories than we need and while the very basic science of that is is true we need to run a calorie deficit we can go about it all different kinds of wrong ways and drastically cutting calories and and or skipping meals which is often what I see Um, folks will come to me and say well I only eat one meal a day uh, is just not really the way we want to go go about it. For a very few people, that may result in um, desired weight loss that, that they want. But for the vast majority of people, that's not something that's going to be sustainable in the long term um, and actually will cause more of a plateau or an evening off of um, any initial weight loss that you had 
which is where people usually come come to me. They say, "Well, I, I was doing good. I lost about twenty pounds, and then I just can't I can't lose anymore. It just it's stuck." And when we really dive down into the the heart of things, because we're just not fueling our body, our body is a little factory, um, a machine, so to speak, and we have to give it the things that it needs in order to be able to run effectively. And so when we dramatically reduce calories and and or we skip meals, we're making that factory slow down. If we think about it in terms of each kind of nutrient having a job, right? So we're talking about carbohydrates and fats um, and proteins and then all the other vitamins and minerals and micronutrients that are in there as having a job and a role in our in our factory that is our body. When we don't give our body enough of those workers or we don't supply them at regular intervals, it's like we're short staffed, right? So, um, you know, everything kind of slows down because we don't have enough workers to get the job done. A- and we're, we're more sluggish because new workers aren't showing up when their shift is supposed to start, if that, if that kind of makes sense. And so we just tend to have a, more, a slower metabolism at that point as well. And so every bit of food that we then do eat, our body is just going to store it um, because our body thinks, well, maybe like workers aren't going to show up at all. So I need to hang on to the ones that I do have uh, so that I can last for as long as, as humanly possible. And so we have to be really, really careful about not cutting calories too low and not um, skipping meals. We kind of got to listen to our instincts. Hunger is not bad. Uh, I get asked a lot about appetite suppressants, and those can be a tool in, in the kit of, of weight loss. Um, but we want to make sure that we're not trying to just cut off our hunger cues. Um, it's okay to eat when you're hungry. You should stop when you're full, and it should be of things that are nourishing uh, our bodies that are providing those high-quality calories, things that have those other nutrients in there so that our body runs effectively. But it's it's okay to eat when you're hungry. We need to, to stop when we're full as well and not eat out of things like boredom and stress and all of these other kinds of things. But people often ask me for a calorie goal. At that point, I always loop in our dietitian because uh, they are uh, the experts at being able to give you a calorie goal based off of all of your medical conditions and your activity level and all of those different kinds of things. But just as a general rule, um, I never, ever recommend lower than a 1,200-calorie diet um, for anyone. That's just dipping too far down into a calorie deficit, um, and it's going to lead to kind of that weight loss plateau or that um, sluggish feeling there. Uh, most women that are wanting to lose weight, we usually wind up somewhere around a 1,400 to 1,600 calorie uh, per day, whereas men, we usually wind up somewhere around 1,800 to 2,200, depending on um, activity levels. But it is very individualized based off of all the other medical issues uh, or medical conditions that you have, as well as how physically active you are. All right. So that's that most important don't is to not dramatically cut those calories and don't skip 
meals. Um, ditch the word diet as well. Uh, if you have been paying attention to what I say today, I try very, very hard not to use the word diet. Um, unless I'm talking about things that we don't do, like we don't fad diet, we don't yo-yo diet, those kinds of things. Because the word diet, at least in the perception of um, the American culture, is that it is something you go on or go off um, or and go off or that you cheated on or fell off of or any of these different kinds of things. And that is really setting us up, again, to think about the way that we eat as a punishment or as a restriction, um, when it's really just a, a way that a way of eating, right? A nutrition pattern or eating pattern or just, just food. Um, but I really try to stay away from the word diet, and I encourage my patients to also ditch the word diet and not think of it that way. Um, when you really embrace it as this is not something that I am starting and stopping or something that I am being punished by having to do, it's just the way that you are choosing to eat, um, it's really a lot more freeing. And a lot of this, I hope you've noticed, is the way we think about food and the way we think about ourselves in relationship to food. We have to be kind to ourselves. We have to speak to ourselves in our head, when that little internal voice, in a kind way and replace those negative thoughts that we have around ourselves and around food and around weight with more positive things, um, knowing that we won't always be perfect and that's okay. So instead of I can't, it's, well, I might not be able to do this, but I can do this. Um, and really just reframing the way that we think about things. While we're ditching words, we also want to ditch good and bad. can't tell you how many times folks come in to see me and I'll say, well, how are things going since the last visit? And I'll say, well, I was bad because I had birthday cake. Or I was good because I had a salad instead of a hamburger. And man, we go, oh, we got to take a step back, folks. We're not talking about food and whether you are good or bad based off of what types of food that you eat, right? I eat birthday cake too, and I'm not bad for it. Um, sometimes I'll eat a burger, not a meat burger, but a burger over a salad, and that's okay, right? Sometimes salad isn't the healthiest choice depending on what it has on it. Um, but ditching those words, good and bad, because what you eat, the foods that you choose to eat or the foods that you have to eat are not wrapped up around and how good of a person you are. They are just food. They are just things that we need to eat more of, things that we need to eat less of. And if it is one of these foods that ultimately we need to eat less of, like birthday cake, we want to make sure that we're eating them for the right reason, right? To make a memory, to enjoy um, with our family, with our friends, and not just um, out of stress or out of boredom or any of those things. And then that one final um, kind of don't is don't think about food in th terms of things that I can't have. I'm Dr. Josie Bidwell, Associate Professor of Preventive Medicine and Nurse Practitioner at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Thanks for listening to the Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit Podcast. If you have a question, you can email fit at mpbonline.org 
or leave a comment on my Facebook page, Healthy Habits with Josie. For ongoing information on staying healthy and fit, subscribe to the podcast using your favorite podcasting app. Hey, this is Larry Morrissey with the Mississippi Arts Commission. I'm one of the hosts of the Mississippi Arts Hour, the arts interview show on Think Radio. We talk with visual artists, musicians, writers, as well as people who help bring the arts to their communities. We hear about how each artist learned their craft and get some insight into their creative process. You can hear the Arts Hour every Sunday at 5 p.m. on Think Radio, or listen anytime by subscribing to the show through your favorite podcasting app. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Welcome back to Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit on MPB Think Radio. It's our fall on-air fundraising drive, and you've just heard from a couple of my colleagues, and I hope you'll take advantage of the information that they had to share. We're not taking your calls live today, but you can always email us, fit at mpbonline.org, or go over to Facebook to Healthy Habits with Josie, and drop me a message over there. We've been going through my top tips um, or lists for healthy, sustainable nutrition changes and uh, weight loss over the past couple of segments, and we're going to continue that. We just wrapped up my my don'ts list, right, with uh, don't dramatically cut your calories or skip meals, don't use the word diet, don't frame foods as good or bad, and don't focus on things that you can't have. Reframe that to think of, I choose not to have that today because it doesn't match the goals that I have set for myself or it's not going to get me any closer to the goal that I have set for myself. So what are my do's? What are the things that we um, can do to help establish and maintain, sustain a healthy, uh, healthy lifestyle so that we stay healthy and fit? Uh, my number one do is to have a meal plan. And I know when everybody hears that, they go, oh, I don't have time for that. All right. Um, I think that's because we tend to look at commercialized meal plans that are out there um, that have, you know, these fairly elaborate three meals a day, a couple of snacks um, built in there. And when you look at it, they are lots of different types of meals throughout the week uh, with lots of different types of foods in there, foods that you may not be as familiar with or even know how to fix. Uh, and then you buy them and you start out well fixing them and then you get tired of that and you kind of slack off and then you think, well, I just spent all this money on all this food and eating healthy is too expensive. And that's not the type of meal plan I'm talking about. I'm talking about stepping back and thinking about what you would like to eat, right? What are things that you enjoy and how we can build that out over the week. So for my family, we start our meal planning for the week on Saturday morning. Um, I involve uh, the kiddos. Uh, hubby doesn't care too much. He eats pretty much whatever um, whatever I set before him. But if he cared, I would include him in that as well. And we kind of sit down and we think about what we want for breakfast over the week. And nothing, uh, nothing fancy. So I'm not whipping up omelets on a, a Monday morning. We keep it very, very quick, um, very, very easy. It may be that I make a batch of muffins. 
um, on uh, Sunday, and then we have muffin and a piece of fruit during the week. Uh, it may be that we have um, uh, what I like to call nutty toast, which is just a piece of whole grain bread that's toasted with some form of nut butter smeared on it and a piece of fruit. It may be that we have overnight oats. Um, that we can mix up and put different things into and keep those in the fridge and grab. But it is usually very, very simple, and it's just going to have some kind of whole grain, some kind of um, fruit, and some kind of uh, protein uh, in there with it. And we just have one variation of that throughout the week. And we usually pick two of those so that we don't overcomplicate it, right? I'll have to buy lots of different ingredients to get that done. Um, don't have to spend a lot of time making these different things. These are just the things that we have on hand uh, for breakfast. It can be even simpler than that. It can be a yogurt and a piece of fruit with some nuts crumbled up on top. It does not have to be super complicated. It does not have to take a long amount of time uh, and just easy to grab and go when you're running out the door. I then usually move not to lunches next, but to dinners because I want to think about leftovers uh, that I can utilize for lunch because I'm not a super big leftover eater at nighttime, um, but I'm fine kind of eating that for, for lunch or at least transforming some of it into different, uh, different types of lunches. So I move to dinners and I just write down things that, that I'm, I want for the following week. Uh, and there are several recipes that kind of get repeated, right? Spaghetti or tacos or um, soup, um, those different kinds of things. And I make it a little bit more fluid. So these are the things that we're going to have this week. And it may not be very day specific. So maybe I had written that we're going to have you know, spaghetti on Monday. Um, but if I have all the ingredients for tacos and everybody really wants tacos, then we may switch to that on, on Mondays. So a little bit of flexibility there is, is okay. And we actually usually build in a takeout night as well uh, into our meal plan, especially when we know that there are uh, nights where we're going to have a lot of stuff uh, going on uh, in the evening. Of course, that's less now uh, during, during COVID times. We have less extracurricular activities. But just like tonight, I have... Um, I have a speaking event that I have to speak at at seven tonight. So that's really going to throw a, a wrench into any uh, cooking. So I've actually got chili kind of simmering away in the crock pot so that that will be ready um, for, for the family whenever it is that they're uh, ready to eat, eat dinner. Uh, and then we go back to lunches and think about what it is that we can use as a leftover for lunch or our go-tos are going to be some type of bowl uh, meal, like with a grain and some greens and some beans in it, um, or a wrap, something like that. And that really just makes it much more uh, easy to implement and do um, instead of these really fancy meal plans that you'll often see, uh, see out there where we wind up with a lot of food waste. Uh, in terms of fruits and vegetables and produce, because that is another one of my do's is eating more fiber, and that only comes from plant foods, um, is to, again, think about what you can realistically eat in a week, right? And while it may sound like a good idea to buy all the things when you go to the store, like multiple different kinds of fruits, if your 
new to eating more fruits and vegetables, going overboard with at least without a plan to use those is oftentimes going to be wasteful. So we tend to pick two or three fruit types um, for our home because we know we can realistically eat that in in a week. Um, this week we actually have apples and bananas is what we have. We usually always have bananas because that's my son's favorite. Um, but I really wanted some Honeycrisp apples because those are my favorite. And they are finally kind of coming back into the stores. So I snagged a bag of those the other day. Um, and then for other things that we also enjoy, like berries, I usually keep those frozen. So I'll have some frozen berries in the freezer. So it just takes a little bit of thought, a little bit of planning. But I do break that out over several days. So planning on Saturday, shopping and prepping on Sunday so that it's not a big chunk of my time devoted to those kinds of things. My next do is a looking for ways to decrease added sugars, okay? So sugar in and of itself is not evil. No food is. Um, but if it's not supposed to have sugar in it or it has a lot of added sugars in it, then we want to pull back on that, especially if we're trying to lose weight or get control of our blood sugar or even work on pain and inflammation. And so a lot of times people think, well, I can't have fruit because it has sugar. That's naturally occurring sugar, okay? Sugar that was put in there when it was grown uh, and is also full of fiber. And so that kind of helps negate some of the, the just kind of straight sugar effects of things. That's why we don't usually recommend juice when we're trying to lose weight because uh, juice has all that fiber pulled out of it. Um, so I'm not talking about naturally occurring sugars. I'm talking about added sugars and things. A lot of the new food labels actually have that broken out on the back of them where it will show you added uh, added sugars versus naturally occurring sugars in those products. But one of the number one ways to pull back on added sugars is to not drink them. I just mentioned juice. A lot of times it's thought that juice is healthier than a soda. And if we're talking about just straight health, probably is more vitamins and minerals in it but if we're talking about weight loss not really the same uh the same there because uh again it's much easier to drink a large number of calories than it is to chew that right a glass of orange juice an eight ounce glass of juice is usually somewhere around 150 calories you can drink that glass of juice down in about 30 seconds to a minute if you chugged it takes you much, much longer to eat that same 150 calories of an orange. So uh, really thinking about what you're drinking is one of the easiest ways to cut back on added sugars. So that may be soda, that may be sweet tea, don't come for me, I know, um, or juices. And it doesn't necessarily mean all or nothing, right, but a reduction. So if you normally have two big glasses of sweet tea, Maybe we do one glass of sweet tea and then make the other one water, right? Um, but just thinking about ways you can switch things out for that. And my very last uh, do is looking for ways to decrease added fats. So just like with added sugars, we're talking about things that have just fat added to them, not that naturally occurring fat, right? Things like peanut butter and um, avocados and olives and coconut and all of these different kinds of things have fat in them. But when we eat them as the whole food, right, if we eat 
olives, then we also get more vitamins and minerals and fiber from those things that are going to fill us up. Whereas if we just add olive oil to something, we're adding about 14 grams of fat and 120 calories per tablespoon. So to eat 120 calories of olives would fill you up much more than if you just used a tablespoon of olive oil. So really thinking about um, do I want to eat this as the original food that it was or is this being added on to something? Thanks for listening to this MPB Think Radio podcast. MPB depends on support from listeners, so if you can, please contribute today at mpbonline.org. Join us each week for Everyday Tech on MPB Think Radio. We have an IT expert, a computer repair ace, and we troubleshoot your problems on the phones as well. Everyday Tech, Wednesdays at 10 on MPB Think Radio. Download the podcast now or listen on YouTube on the MPB Think Radio channel.